everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly, <laughs> who is and not paying attention. If this is your first time joining us, we love uh, having you here on the show with us today. It is uh, Tuesday, October 12th, and I think this is episode 68. Um, we are a happily married couple of four children, ages 10 through 3. We uh, live in Montana. We homeschool. Um, I do a variety of independent, self-employed things. And we have a podcast, which we love a ton. Super fun. Um, did I cover everything? I think so. Sometimes you say the names of all of our kids. Ten. We have to mix it up now because now we have a oh, ten, yeah. nine, nine, six, she and three-year-old. Yeah. We we didn't quite. I had a miscarriage, and so we didn't quite get the every two years thing. So we have uh, instead of four, six, eight, ten, we have. We had last week at this time three six eight ten, and now we're starting the awkward shift into into mm-hmm. odd numbers. Yep. So we have six nine ten in December. We'll have six nine eleven in January. We'll have seven nine eleven. Yes, and she got super funny about her birthday too because we were just all day of her. She was goofy. She I don't know if she was like feeling self conscious, but she just behaved really funny. The whole day. She, she, it, what part of her personality is she loves the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The deckings of all the, yeah, deck, deck the halls. Yeah. yeah. So she loves all of the things that go with a birthday. And I still am not feeling at my peak. And so she didn't get quite the, birthday celebration we didn't do a friend party you took her out and she got her ears pierced she did uh and then she got to go on a special shopping trip with my mom and go out to lunch and buy an outfit but i didn't decorate the house at all we have the way our house is set up it works perfectly to do streamers from the ceiling in the kitchen dining area and it's kind of a closed in area so it feels like I've done a ton Festive. of work by hanging two packs of dollar store streamers across the ceiling. I just I couldn't muster that this year, and she was genuinely pretty sad about that. Uh, I could have done that. I didn't even occur to me though. Yeah, yeah, because Jr's tall enough, you guys, that he can actually touch the ceiling without doing anything. Where for me, <laughs> it's an actual workout because I'm climbing but up she, and down stools and yeah. going across back and forth to hang the streamers. So we didn't, didn't do that, and I think that she was a little bummed about that. And she also had her heart absolutely set on a mint chocolate chip Baskin Robbins ice cream cake, and my mom would have obliged her with it. And I don't like Baskin-Robbins cakes. This might offend people out there. We might lose listeners over this. But I don't like the cake part of them. It's just bland, not great, store-bought cake. I don't like the frosting. I would rather eat Costco shortening frosting any day over whatever they put on the outside of a Baskin-Robbins cake. And you and Lily are the only two in our family who like mint chocolate chips. So you get this giant cake... That nobody likes any of the layers of except you two. <laughs> and it just sits in the freezer in the like cardboard the box, part. taking up a ton of space until eventually it's so freezer burnt we throw it away. So this year I did I did make her a homemade ice cream cake and I think she was skeptical 
and not super on board with until she actually ate it. Oh my gosh, you guys, the cake was insane looking. I did. In a good way. I did just a one layer round chocolate cake base. And then I had just seen, I was trying to find different mud pie, classic Mississippi mud pie with the ice cream and the fudge sauce recipes on Pinterest. And I had seen one where a lady separated flavors of ice cream using graham crackers. So I did a wall of graham crackers and on one side I had a cookies and cream ice cream and the other side was mint cookies and cream. And then we did a layer of crushed Oreo and then we were trying to do a chocolate fudge sauce ganache and I just eyeballed my proportions of cream, butter, and chocolate chips. And I didn't use nearly enough to- chocolate chips to make the ganache. And it wasn't thick at all. And so I whipped the whipped cream and we had chocolate whipped cream. So we had a crushed Oreos and then a layer of chocolate whipped cream. And then another layer of ice cream split on the mint and non-mint side. And then another layer of crushed Oreos. No, whipped cream and then the Oreos. And then I found a better recipe for chocolate ganache and actually made a good chocolate ganache and drizzled over the top of the crushed Oreos and dripping down the side of the cake. It wasn't pretty, but it was very decadent. Oh, it was pretty. I thought it looked amazing. It was it was pretty in a glompy sugar rush sort of way. It was pretty in a really wonderful looking ice cream cake sort of way. Yeah, so... So anyway, she got, I think she was okay with it in the end, but um, it wasn't quite the the birthday of her dreams. She got which... her sushi dinner. She, I was going to take her to sushi early because she, it, we had some scheduling issues. And um, her birthday's anyway. on a Sunday and our favorite sushi place is closed on Sundays. Well, yeah. And then speaking we were going to do Sundays, we... Kanye West is selling his Cody ranch. What? Yeah. Why? Uh, probably because he dreamed of taking his whole family there and now his wife has left him because he is genuinely a bit of a nutcase. What's he selling his con his ranch for? I didn't look. I just saw the headline. Okay. That was super random. It was super random. So closed on Sunday. The, yeah. Which was filmed on his ranch. But then your dad was hunting moose in Alaska. Canada. Canada. So he was, he couldn't be there for the Friday or the Saturday and it was, it was a mess. So anyway, I told Lily I'd take her for sushi early. I was like, let's go have a birthday lunch. And she got stuck into this tradition at one point of having lunches at Barnes and Noble. And then getting to buy a book afterwards. And then, well, not always. This time we bought a book because I kind of wanted it for the family and she wanted it. So we bought the book and so she wanted to go to Barnes and Noble. So she got her sushi. She got her Barnes and Noble. She got her ears pierced. She had a rip roaring birthday. She did. In my Three opinion. solid days of celebration. Yeah, all you got to do is feed me a shot of whiskey, and I'm happy. But Lily got just. I all of it. I'm trying to remember. I've been meaning to bring this up on the podcast for months, and I keep forgetting that one of the cool things about having kids who get who are getting older and having more agency is for for a number of years. I have referred to things like my birthday as a mom birthday. Like, oh, I hope you had a good day. I mean, I had a normal mom day, except the kids, you know, at first they're just normal babies or normal toddlers, and I just spend my day cleaning up their messes. And then they get a little bit older, and they want to make your day special, so they make a gigantic mess uh, 
making cards or presents for you and then you have extra work on top of your normal mom birthday you have extra work of cleaning up the messes of mom i want to make you cupcakes (sighs) okay okay this is gonna be a lot of work and a lot of frustration because you know at a certain age helping and wanting to bless is anything but either of those But our kids have reached an age where they genuinely think creatively in terms of gifts that they want to buy for us or for other people. Like for their siblings, they all spent their own money on Lily buying genuinely thoughtful, fun presents. And anyway, it's fun having your kids get older because they they make even our they they really want to celebrate our birthdays and our anniversary and Mother's Day and Father's Day, and they can actually do it in a way that's meaningful and that's a blessing. Yeah, that's always fun. Having older kids is a bit of a, is a bit exciting. But there's always that weird thing where the older kid always gets to do things first later in life, and then all the kids, you just kind of include them because they're there. Right, like Elise (laughs) wants to get her ears pierced now. Or Lily wanting to compete in... uh, you know, in Colorado this weekend. Uh-huh. You know, so now I'm taking Lily with us when we go. So Our Titus got to do his first judo tournament yeah. two weeks ago. He did in in Salt Lake City. Well, we've most talked of about you know that. that. Yeah. So, but just uh, the the oldest oh, child. Oh, in general, yeah. The oldest child got to do it, and then two weeks later, yeah. the kid who's 22 months younger oh, gets to have her first experience yeah. at it. You guys, so much has happened in the last like couple days. So, uh, Molly said, "Well, I'm not a lot of." Not, not not allowed to talk about the family reunion stuff, but needless to say, we won't be going, and that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, and but so last night, uh, Molly has her Canavox meeting, which basically means all of these women get together for their reading group around the house. And if you're not familiar with Canavox, go visit them. Canavox.com or just send I Molly just a message. I just also posted a Canavox video on our Instagram. Yeah, because we have a new initiative called Project Manhood, and we have this very hip. He used to be a youth pastor. Now he works with troubled youth guy who has three young daughters. Very manly. Grew up in Alaska. Am I not manly enough? Because you're not on our staff. Oh, true. And anyway, it's a series of, I think, 10 videos, three minute videos of him talking about issues related to manhood in our culture. I think there's a session. I think there's one on pornography and I think there's one on friendship and I think there's I can't even think what else. I think there's one on fatherhood. But the first one we released is him encouraging single young men to aspire to be married because that, in so many ways, the expression of your manliness is not... Not, not that... I mean, we have the Apostle Paul. It, single. You're not an incomplete person if you are unmarried or if you are... A husband and wife and you don't have children you don't have a fake marriage or you're not unfulfilled i i was actually thinking about this last night with my canavox group we have we have single gals we have married gals who don't have kids we have grandmothers we have an entire spectrum besides just people who look just like me and we were talking about raising our children particularly in such a confused society oh this is what kicked it off faith is in a phase you guys faith is three and she almost every day we go through and you parents of young kids or who have done the young kids thing you'll totally recognize this phase we go through this phase 
recitation of everybody in our house and whether they're a boy or a girl. So, Mommy, you're a girl, and I'm a girl, and Wee Wee's a girl, and Elise is a girl, and Daddy's a boy. Yes, and how do we know that Daddy's a boy? He has a penis. And Titus is a boy, and Maui's a boy. Maui's our dog. And Luna's a girl, and Minerva's a girl. Luna and Minerva are Luna Lovegood and Minerva McGonagall are cats. And and the absolute clarity in a three-year-old's mind and the uh, intellectual development that she's going through in putting things into clear categories. Uh, We do the same thing with colors. And it's just as, I would say black and white, but colors are obviously not black and white, but it's just as clear to her, Faith, what color is your shirt? It's pink. What color are your pants? They're they're blue. Uh, what color is your coat? It's purple. And when Grandma shows up to pick her up, Faith is delighted to exclaim, "I'm like you, Grandma. My coat is purple, and your coat is purple." So the the intellectual and emotional development of a three year old depends on very clear categories that they can sort things into because God made their brains to interpret the world through predictable categories. I mean, if you want to get super philosophical about this, we can talk about Plato in the cave <laughs> and categories of things like the chair. How do you know this is a chair? Because you have the idea of a chair. How do you know that somebody is a girl? We, will you have the idea of a girl? How do you know that somebody is a boy? You don't in... Up until very recently in history, you didn't need to see a boy naked to know what body parts he has to know. We have the idea of a boy. We know what a boy is. And it's tremendously important for the brain development to have this predictability for a child. Chaos is terrible for their brains in all sorts of ways. And so I'm sure you guys can see where I'm going with this with the gender categories. Now we have kindergartners who are being told you can be whichever one you want. And not only is that a bad construct for all of society, it's actually a bad construct for them psychologically, internally, because it's so unnerving and destabilizing. And one of the gals who was there last night has an art school classmate who now has a child that they, the art school classmate, who was formerly a she, is raising as a they, them. And nobody, this child is two or three, and nobody in the outside world knows whether this child is biologically male or female. Which, whatever. I I don't actually care if you care about my interpretation of your child. Because I was a tremendous tomboy as a child. I hated to wear pink. I roamed the hills. I was disheveled and unkempt. And my mom might disagree with me on this because (laughs) she was much better about bathing me than I am about bathing our own kids. I was also a child of the early 80s. So I wore red and yellow and green and blue tracksuits that were hand-me-downs from my brother and nobody thought any different of it. I also had a haircut from my brother that made me look like a boy for a long time because I was a very slow hair grower. <laughs> Apparently, people who didn't know me would ask me my name. My name is Molly, and they would hear Maury and think that I was a little boy named Maury. Uh, I, I'm fine for that. 
am totally fine for that. And all it take t- took from my mom is saying, no, it's a girl named Molly. Case closed, right? No psychological harm to me or to my mom or anybody else from that. But nowadays, raise your child with whatever expectations they want. You know, you want for them to be able to be the individual that God created them to be. But let them have the stability of black and white categories living in the binary world that God created to function in this way. Because I guarantee you this child goes out in public and scans the world going boy, girl, boy, girl, and can't find where they fit into that. And then, of course, the progressives are going to say, that's why representation matters and we have to have library books front and center showing people like them. I would argue, though, that that child's brain is designed according to the binary that corresponds to reality, and you are wrecking that child psychologically by destroying the categories that they're naturally trying to figure out where they fit into. Yeah. So. Soapbox, now where are you Molly's to... Molly's having her cane box meeting last night. <laughs> and I'm at, I'm at your parents' house with all the kids. Um, we had dinner over there and had some moose ribs, which if you guys ever have a chance to eat moose, I take it. Um, moose is delicious. And they are giant. Those ribs had so They were like dinosaur ribs. It was crazy. meat on them. It was nuts. So, anyway, so we're over at the parent, and we're, I'm watching the kids all evening. I figured I'd keep them over there for most of the evening. Your Canavox so uh, get-togethers usually get over between 8.30 and 9, and that's fairly late for our kids. Well, let's, let's do this. So, long story short, you know, we, we have this evening, and we're getting ready to go home. And um, Faith is falling apart because she refuses to wear any clothes. We'd sat in a hot tub, and she came over in her swimsuit, and Molly had not informed me that she brought clothes with Faith. And we couldn't even find Elisa's swimsuit when we first started. So it was like, Molly's like, well, it's, it's with Elisa's swimsuit. I'm like, I, we don't even know where those are. So anyway, Faith won't wear anything. So I'm about ready to walk home. I've got a kid that's screaming and crying because she doesn't want to wear any clothes so i get her jacket over her she's too buck naked right get her jacket over her. she's wearing her jacket her ski jacket and her in her boots her snow boots and then we get ready to get in the car titus is yelling at one of the girls for something one of the girls is yelling at titus for something they climb into the car titus forgets the dog he runs back in grabs the dog opens the door maui jumps in lands right on naked faith so then she starts screaming titus is is a 70 pound dog on a naked three-year-old and i'm just like oh my gosh and in the meantime elise has been really whiny about not wanting to eat dinner she spent the entire two hours crying because she wants mom she doesn't want mom to leave so we finally get everybody in the car and I text Molly, I was like, incoming, and it's a crap show. And Molly goes, please, for my sake, have them contain it. <laughs> Ask please. beg them to contain it. So we pulled inside. into the driveway, and I'm, I told them, like, guys, guys, here's the deal. You got to contain your stuff, or this is not going to go well. Mom's having her meeting, obviously, because we pull in, and there's cars everywhere, right? Like, All right, so we go inside, and everybody maintains their, their, their thing. And he came in very meek and, and quiet. And I'm carrying naked faith. Naked faith, 
past this dining room table full of all these women and my daughter's buck naked. I'm like, is she going to flash them? I don't know how this is going to work out. So I tried to tuck the coat under my arm because, I mean, I would think it's really funny, but we just, it just didn't need the distraction. So we go into the bathroom. Every All the kids start getting ready for bed. We start brushing teeth, going through the whole thing. And then, I don't remember what happened, but Elise was sitting on the bed and then suddenly, she's like, I'm just, I'm not, she's like, oh, she's been, she'd been complaining about a headache all day. And I was like, well, maybe you probably have COVID because everything's COVID. Like, I don't know. You, whatever. Just let's do this, right? She disappears. I'm like, where did, where did Elise go? And all the kids are like, I don't know. She walked out the room. So I walk out of the room. And the way our house is laid out is when we walk out of our bedroom, there's stairs kind of right in front of us. And then the big living room. And that living room turns into a dining room, which turns into a kitchen. And there's a hallway that goes right behind the couch in the living room part that goes into the, into the dining room. So if you come out of our bedroom and go around the stairs, everybody sees you at the table. Anybody seen there? So I walk out and I look down and I'm like, that looks like puke. And I'm looking at the carpet going, what in the world? And I'm like, where is Elise? And then I hear, I see the light on in the bathroom, in the hallway bathroom, right next to the dining room. <laughs> and I walk in and there's puke spots on the floor and there's Elise she's thrown up in the toilet and she's kind of whimpering a little bit and she gives me a weak smile I'm like what are you doing in here how did why didn't you throw up in our bath never mind are you okay you're not okay what do you need so I was like do you want some water can I get you so I was like let's get cleaned up she's like I grabbed a towel I went out grabbed the towel came back in and the whole time you're still having this meeting and when I mean I went out I went out of the bathroom around past the computer desk between the computer desk and the dining room table with all the women into the laundry room grabbed a towel walked back through grabbed a towel and Elise took off out of the bathroom through the school room to our bedroom so she didn't pass that hallway and I'm like and I'm kind of expecting to see some grins or some smiles from something something from some of these ladies who saw my daughter throw up throw up in the hallway i'm not seeing anything yet so i'm like okay well maybe they're just being polite so then i go to the kitchen and again you guys you're still sitting at the dining room table having this conversation i go to the kitchen grab a spray bottle go to back to the laundry room grab a towel come back out to the hallway roll up the runner in the hallway starts spraying down the floor, wiping it all down, take all of that to the bathroom or to the laundry room, go back out into the bathroom, start spraying down and cleaning up the bathroom, walk out, put everything away, walk back. I'm still not seeing a single this sign of This is a great anything. advertisement for how compelling <laughs> the material that we discuss at my Canavox meetings is. Seeing not a, a single, single mom. I look. did hear, I thought you, I heard Elise wailing a little bit. I thought you actually had her up in the loft and she was like grumpy about having been put to bed without me saying goodnight right. to her or something. And and I was like, well, I'll, I'll wrap things up and get going. I don't think a single one of us no, I asked, was I asked aware. your mom on the way out. She's like, was that a cat accident? You know? And I'm like, no, it was not a cat accident. And I'm like... The, all the women are still around and your mom can't hear very well so she talks loud and then I have to talk loud so she can hear me and I don't want to tell her no Elise threw up all over the di- the hallway and nobody you know, she didn't see anything I was like you didn't see anything she's like I didn't see anything that couch is pretty tall Shannon and then uh, Shannon who stuck around a little bit while afterwards I was like Shannon did you we told her this and she started laughing I was like did you see anything at all she's like no I didn't know anything was going on <laughs> I'm like I'm moving back and forth I'm like for sure, somebody had to see something. I don't think anybody saw anything. So if you were there last night and you're listening to the show and you saw something, 
uh, tell us because that's really. F- I was just. It's almost like up. that where you're told to count how many times the kids throw the ball back and forth, and then somebody in a gorilla suit runs Once by in the through, background. Yeah, I was just like, no I was amazed because it was just right there. I thought somebody would have had to have seen a little girl bust over and throw up on the floor. You know, and the it wasn't other, a ton. The other weird thing about that but, is Elise is our kid who throws up like a T Rex. Normally, <laughs> she That's normally right. like hollers while she's puking. She's like, and me. you she, can't contain the vocal cords. And she's it like, comes out, yeah! and it comes it just, out her nose. She must not. She didn't throw up violently because it was. Well, I and then she only noticed, did, and it wasn't a ton, and she only threw up once, and then she lay down on the couch and slept all night. Yeah, no other. Well, issues. she she so woke I, up and came to me in the middle of the night and oh, wanted man. to crawl in bed with me, and I was like, no. I will. I'll sleep on the couch with you. (laughs) It was amazing that all that happened and nobody like nobody saw. Nobody saw. I was just like, I'm being so disruptive right now. I was waiting for you to turn on and go. What are you doing? Stop it! But you guys were all so so engaged. It cracked me up. Yep, we were we were engaged. Uh, I don't really know where to go from there. Okay, so. Uh, I want to welcome a bunch of new Telegram users and uh, Telegram users, Telegram people in our little Telegram community. Now, I recognize that the whole thing has to, you know, the whole Telegram thing, we're using a social media platform that's not 100% contained, so we could lose access to it or whatever. And But one of the reasons, like, Molly's been jumping on to it because all of the people she likes to listen to and follow are getting canceled off all the other uh, platforms. So it just kind of worked out. But we've had a bunch of new people. I'll include the link to our Telegram channel in um in the show notes and you can the invitation link is there you can you can join us if you want but it's kind of funny because it has this whole other it's just it has its own life it does its own thing and um like the other day people were posting their well you started it people were posting their favorite pieces of furniture yeah, which was kind of I fun so that. anyway um alan uh on on telegram sent me uh a message that I've just been um, loving. And he sent me a link to a video and wanted our honest opinion about it. And I realized that you haven't watched the whole thing. But it's... By um, the whole thing, I've watched maybe, maybe a quarter of it. Okay. You kind of got the basic gist. They go on to... They go on to like kind of... Anyway... Um, it's a it's a podcast with by a guy named Dan Aston Gregory who runs a podcast called the Pandemic Podcast and the whole goal behind and I've never heard it of it until now his whole and he's from the UK his whole point was with the podcast is like just I'm just going to question all this and we're just going to like look at other stuff like there's a mainstream narrative narrative it's out there that's what we're going to do but I'm just you know I'm going to start this you know, do the podcast to ask questions. He's a journalist, so ask questions that nobody else is really asking. And in this episode, he has on a Belgian professor of clinical psychology at Ghent University, and he's also a statistician, statistician, uh, Matthias Desmet. And he talks about a concept called mass formation, which has uh, hallmarks of. Uh, now bear with me here because it's going to sound a little bit crazy which has hallmarks of of hypnotism and hypnotism insofar as you are so hyper focused on one thing that you kind of exclude everything else out of it and mass formation has four key indicators that need to happen uh, for this this 
concept to take effect. And the same concept, the same social construct happened in Nazi Germany. It happened in Stalin's Russia. And so there's a, there's a push, there's a, not a push, there's a, an overarching theme that these four things tend to lead to totalitarianism. And he said when he, you know, and so what Matthias talks about is a lot of, and I won't get you, I'll include the link in the show notes, but he's, he talks a lot about human desire and human meaning and human fulfillment and all of these things. And they, they talk, he, Dan asks a question about faith partway through. He, he said he asked an American religious spiritual leader and says, is the loss of faith in America contributing to people's buy-in on some of this stuff? And they didn't actually address that question at all. But to me, there were so many fascinating layers as a Christian uh, towards the orientation of the human heart. And, you know, Scripture talks a ton about the human heart, where our desires are, being anxious about things, being fearful of things, where we should be finding our hope and our fulfillment. And uh, they didn't address any of this, but you start seeing all of these little layers come together, and it's kind of frightening. I did tell somebody last night, I said... Um, I said, you know, you can't, like, there's the mainstream narrative, and we all kind of know what that is. I don't even have to say what that is, but it's all there. And it's, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with paying attention to it, but there's all these other little pieces here and there. And I don't necessarily take one thing, uh, I don't just take just all of one thing and say, oh, this is, this is it. You know, it's all this. Because there's all these other pieces too, and they'd start to paint a little picture. I think that's why it's important to not just have one source of information whatever you think your best source of news is i think it's important to always be trying to call information because nobody has the right the corner a corner on being right having a right perspective on what's going on no i agree and i try to pull pieces of i start to see pieces and themes that all kind of meet each other even in mainstream media and you know conspiracy theory media, whatever you want to call non-mainstream media, there's themes that start to come together. And I felt like that. I really heard a lot of, um, like when you understand that the human heart is inherently sinful and always striving after power, money, greed, fulfillment, pleasure, whatever the human heart is going for. And when you substitute God for anything else, it's going to get skewed and go on the wrong path. And that's what I like heard through the whole thing. I was like, the sinful human heart is getting skewed and moving in the wrong direction. And manipulated because of our desires. And I think it's easy. It's easy to see it in other people. It's harder to see where I am being manipulated by my because of my own desires that well I'm not going to be manipulated we all are shockingly easily manipulated mm-hmm. if we think about it and I think that's why we need a community and multiple sources of information and the epistemological humility that we were talking about last week yeah to hold loosely even to things that we are really sure about and confident in and passionate about holding loosely to the fact that we could be wrong and then we need the humility to change our actions and our uh, what we have said to other people based on that but then also the humility to be able to parse through 
what is what is in terms of my country values what's a hill worth dying on but how is that different than something that's literally worth dying for which is the gospel yes i are this might be taking you off track from that i have been musing based on several conversations i've had in the last week about how america is becoming extremely balkanized as a result of this pandemic and different cultural responses to the pandemic, even within America. And what I mean, if you guys aren't familiar with, which you guys are all smart out there, you know what balkanization is, but essentially it's where you have one, what seems like a cultural monolith, and it gets fractured into these different little cultural splits and which is what happened in the Balkan culture and resulted in a lot of war and bloodshed. And the reason I think of this is I went to seminary with on the East coast and one of my classmates who is a church planter in New York city, uh, sent me based on some stuff I posted on my Facebook page, sent me a question about, Uh, vaccination because his church rents a facility that is mandating that they have a fully vaccinated congregation in order to use their facility. And I, I threw out some thoughts to him, particularly about shepherding the hearts and the actual, the whole person of people who would be opposed to being opposed to the vaccine mandates opposed to being vaccinated for a variety of reasons and just try to challenge him that these people aren't necessarily retrograde subpar citizens but given the fact that of what assumptions that i have about his church's demographic they're probably fairly educated people who are making an educated choice and in new york city they're counting the cost in here where we live in montana there's not a great cost to believing that masks, to, I mean, to even, let me put it this way, there's not at this point in Montana a great cost to, say, a congregation that is divided over the vaccine or about the masks because we don't have any government overlay pushing us to make uh, polarizing decisions. We can live our lives more or less and the cost of showing grace to each other isn't as high for us because the stakes of people who dissent, if you will, in either direction are not as high because our culture just you go out and about and we're in the midst of a spike right now. We don't have nearly as many, uh, but we still don't. We, we have people wearing masks in public, but not not like you would see in some of the bigger cities. And I was just thinking how tremendously balkanized America is becoming and how hard it is because we have churches and families who are united in the Lord, whether blood family or people who have attended church together and are brothers and sisters in the Lord who are being affected by their culture and having to draw lines that 
are very divisive for for families and i was i was just thinking about the apostle paul and even with the overlay of greek culture that came along first the greek empire now we're going into church history the greek empire you know took over m- most of the known world and united the world linguistically and laid made this common language that you know that the rome ruled the world at the time of christ and yet the new testament was written predominantly in greek because that was the common language of the whole world and so that if you read i don't know i can't i can't cite anybody but i i remember hearing reading books and hearing lessons in Sunday school growing up, how God paved the way for Christianity to spread through the Greek empire with the language and the philosophy and things like that. And then the Roman empire with their expertise in logistics and infrastructure and things like that. And so the, the Greek Roman empire one, two punch paved the way for Christianity to spread in the way that it did across the world. And so Paul a Roman citizen is going to all of these different cities that some of them look down on others and Macedonia is poor and Jerusalem's going through a famine famine and he's going from city to city talking about the other cities and and they're they're not as globalized <clears throat> as our current culture is but still there's there's interaction between all of the cities and the brothers and sisters and there's a flow between the brothers and sisters in Christ in Rome and Philippi and Thessalonica and Colossae and and yet there's tremendous difference between each of these which is why the unique the unique issues that each different church is facing gets their own letter from Paul addressing their own unique issues and I don't know it just makes me amazed at the Holy Spirit-inspired way that Paul was able to navigate the balkanization, if you will, although at that point it wasn't a splintering, it was the, the just the different cultures of this massive empire, and um, the way that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was able to navigate all these different cultural differences and all these things that they're managing. And my friend from New York had asked what I thought about the stronger brother, weaker brother argument in Romans 14 and 15. And this is my last comment on this. And then you have something queued up that you apparently want to say. But <laughs> the I I would be fascinated when we get to heaven to find out how many different ways we believers have appropriately applied the stronger brother, weaker brother argument through all the different disagreements and challenges that have happened to the church across time and across the globe. Uh, you know, what are, what are stronger brother, weaker brother arguments in China right now? What are stronger brother, weaker brother arguments in in the secret church in the in Afghanistan right now? 
What are stronger brother, weaker brother arguments in South Africa, in Liberia, in Israel, in Germany right now? And then what were they, what were stronger brother, like, does Bonhoeffer discuss this? I don't know Does if Bonhoeffer ever looks at this. Anyway, I think it will be super fascinating in heaven, not only to see how the stronger brother, weaker brother argue not argument you know distinction has been appropriately applied throughout church history and then how it's been inappropriately applied <laughs> oh, throughout that would be church a... history um <laughs> you know what it's just so hard to know in the moment again and this goes back to the epistemological humility i don't know what the right path forward for the church in New York City that's facing these vaccine mandates and has people who don't want to comply and it's putting the elders and the church leaders in a bind there. And so my end comment to my friend was, I don't know what you should do. <laughs> I can I can give you some thoughts from someone who who has a different opinion than you do, but I'm also giving those thoughts to you from Montana, which is a vastly different cultural context. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that God raised you up as the leader of this particular church for these particular individuals right now. And it's not a mistake. And he will give you what you need to love them and to shepherd them well. But I have no idea how, how that's going to look. And I pray for wisdom and grace for you because I wouldn't even remotely pretend that this is easy. Yeah, for now, and for now, I think it's only going to get uh, it's only going to get more challenging and more divisive. And I've I've heard various theories about um, people wanting to wanting us to be divided on these issues. Because then you can come in and say, well, this is the problem. Here's the solution we have to put into place. You know, um, when Hitler put himself into power, it was under the auspices of national security because the Reichstag had just been bombed. And he said, this is the this is what we need to do to protect our citizens. Um, so, I mean, we can't we obviously don't know the answers to those things because we can't see everything. We don't know everything that's going on. Um, but, um, that, that epistemological humility and then really understanding and having a solid worldview, I think, Christian worldview, um, a healthy one, not necessarily one that says, well, if Jesus was here today, he would be (laughs) getting vaccinated and, you know, he would be getting vaccinated and wearing wearing a mask and doing all the things. Would he really, you know, um, we don't know that, but I think, you know, yeah, the, we've had some really interesting conversations over the last few weeks, you know, even, even Alan asked for some, he, he, had, he had had a run in with his, with one of his family members and, and we have had a few run-ins now with family members <laughs> and a few other things, but I don't know. It's. It's a messed up world. No, I was actually going to move on to a couple other things from this podcast that tie in a little bit to what you were saying, but we're at like 45 minutes now already, and anything I have to add would probably be another 15. All right. So uh, Let me um, see my list of things to discuss. Oh. If are... I have anything. Okay. 
super random thing that mm-hmm. I will add. I've started watching this Facebook channel. I know you're not on Facebook. That's called TDF Honest Farming. And it's just this dude who's probably a couple years younger than we is are. TDF is initials? Yeah. I think so. I, I think it's a family farm because every now and then grandpa features in it. Uh, and he's, it's literally just his day to day on a dairy farm. And he's funny and he's trying to cast the hard work of a real farmer in an honest, positive light. And one that I watched, he was sitting in the infirm barn with an old cow and discussing the question people ask him what do you do with favorite old cows and up where our cabin is the guy that we drive through his property his daughter who is i don't know five what no i think she's like lily's age okay so she has a favorite cow and he's like i can't butcher this cow uh which is a huge sacrifice for a rancher because every cow is part of your income. But so this guy is a dairy farmer and he he's answering. He's got this cow. She's got his her head in his lap. And he's like, she's she can't be out with the rest of the cows because if her legs go out from under her, she can't get up in the mud and in the jostle and stuff. And he's like, but look, the thing is, is I can't just nurse her along forever because that's not good for her if she falls and she can't get up she she's gonna suffer tremendously or i do a humane thing and put her out of her suffering but anyway um i should find a couple favorites i think as far as i know he's only on facebook i should try to look him up elsewhere but he's super likable i found him because of this funny video where he's he's trying to jokingly trying to set up this uh, Instagram worthy scene with his cows and he's like look at you you've got poop on your face and you what are you doing standing in the mud you're supposed to be clean standing in the pretty grass and you're over wallowing in the mud and he's just jokingly railing on all of the cows and uh, he and his wife have there's another video where he and his wife have this friendly rivalry where she believes that she can call her favorite horse from across the field and the horse will come to her faster than he can call his cows and the cows will come to him. Oh, that's fine. And spoiler alert, I doubt anybody's going to look this up, but if you do look up TDF Honest Farming, here's a spoiler for one of the many videos he has. The horse comes galloping to his wife and the cows don't even pay attention to him at all. They're just so busy eating (laughs) the grass that they're happy with. Cows are so dumb, But no, I mean, they do. He's got some really... He's got... As I know people, because I'm in Montana and I have family and friends who ranch, farmers really do, I look at cows and I think they're really dumb and they're ugly and they taste good, but that's the only redeeming quality. But he loves his cow's personality and he knows his individual cows and it's neat to see somebody like we who, who are in a hunting culture, you can passionately love all animals and respect and admire the beauty of an elk or a moose and want to preserve a herd while at the same time enjoying hunting those same animals and respecting the life and the the pain and the things like that that it takes to to feed us and so the you can being closer to the earth gives you an, an appreciation for the whole circle of life. That's I a think. great word. That's a great word. Like moving into hunting season here in a couple of weeks, 
you know, as we get ready to go into hunting season. And that reminds me, like, last night after Elise went to bed, um, and I can throw this. One of the... So, before I get started, either this photo that I'm about to describe or a photo of the cake is probably going to end up as our... Um, as our show uh, show gra- episode graphics. So if you're a podcast player, shows episode graphics. I create unique ones for every episode. If not, they'll probably both end up in our Telegram group. So anyway, so at least along with Vern the vampire that Titus made today, snowman. Oh, he made Vern the vampire, and he dribbled red food coloring all over the. T- That's awesome, <laughs> the snowman. <laughs> I love boys. Mary Calvin and Hobbes when he had that murdered I'm, snowman I'm, on the yard. That, that's like, for sure why he did um, it. Anyway, so Elise goes, Elise is laying on the couch sick last night and she she typifies what you were just talking about. Because as she's sleeping, the kitten jumps up and just lays down right on her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elise is flat out conked, right? But I remember coming home with the kitten um, and I was so struck uh, coming home with a kitten after she got spayed i brought it back from the vet and i was so struck by just the concern and care in elise's eyes as she ran up of all of the kids the out of all of the kids only elise had this look that was just nothing nothing no other child came close to the intensity of concern and care in her eyes like she just was like and even the other night she was downstairs getting water or something, and then she was. You're like, go to bed. She's like, okay, come on, Maui, and you're like, no, leave Maui alone, go to bed. <laughs> but she's just for her. It's like the dogs belong with me. I want all the animals with me. And the cat sleeps. And the cat on the pillow next to her head most nights. Right, and she can be one of the more uh, rough. rough ones. But what I was going to say about her is, with all of that she's the one that got a 22 for Christmas and was like, I just want to kill something right now. She goes on her hunting a trips. A camo 22. <laughs> she, goes, she goes on her hunting trips. She goes, you know, she's she's there when we got animals. She loves... She wants to be a vet when she grows yeah, up currently. like she loves that stuff. for sure change, but... So, but, you know, someone with that kind of love, can you can have that kind of dual, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to enjoy these creatures. I'm going to hunt these creatures. And yet I'm going to have an, just a super duper love for these creatures. It's not like mutually exclusive, you know. So. Which I think is probably I'm now we're way over time. I'm I'm wrapping up reading Leviticus for my Bible reading challenge mm-hmm. and just the amount of animal death that oh, happened oh. in ancient Israel. <sighs> and yet, you know, these animals I mean, they lived so closely to them. It wasn't like they were sacrificing some random animal from a giant herd that they had no relationship with. For the most part, in ancient Israel, these goats are going in and out of their house. They know them intimately. And so the cost of the sacrifice and the goriness of it was very much felt to them. They loved and appreciated their animals and yet the animals were in service to them as people made in God's image. And anyway, that you just reading, I just having wrapped up Leviticus, I think that the people of ancient Israel, again, talking about cultural differences from even, you know, city to country where we are more aware of where our meat comes from, going back to ancient Israel, they're even they were even more aware of 
where their food came from, mm-hmm. as well as the cost of atoning for sin. Yeah. That's it. I like it. Okay, we're almost like an hour, and I have so much more interesting thoughts I could share about this podcast episode with Matthias Desmond, but I'll just, inc- I'll, just, I'll just include it in the show notes, and you guys can go watch it yourself, and... You know, as I mentioned, think through as he talks about uh, as he talks about things that correlate to the human heart. What drives us? What motivates us? It's like the same thing that fascinated me about writing characters for a TV show. You're always seeing like, where is this person going? What drives them? What motivates them? Um, you know, you can think through that with like your Christian, uh, your your biblical worldview and your biblical framework, because he has he actually mentions worldview in it as well. Um, Anyway, I'll include that in the show notes. I'll include TDF Honest Farming in the show notes, and I'll include a link to uh, Project Manhood, Katavox, and of course, um, yeah, share us with your friends. That's the coolest thing you can do for us. We love it. And uh, if you like us, um, rate us five stars on um, someone somewhere rated us only four. And I was like, really? (laughs) <laughs> what? It's okay. I I'm humble enough to say <laughs> I, it, we don't really deserve I, I three. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be super surprised if there were a lot of one star people out there, but they don't care enough to. They don't care enough actually. To, rate yeah, us. that's fair. Yeah, true. So anyway, we do have an Instagram account which we're loosely kind of just. Eh. Um, I have a cell I'm phone. I'm on the Instagram account. You're on the Instagram account, pretty much. Yeah, you can text me if you want, but you probably get better re- better reception if you just jump on Telegram and shoot me a message there. Um, and uh, you can send us an email on our. Uh, you can send us an email at tb2f at pm.me or do the number one way that people like to get a hold of us, and they send a postcard through our website. We've got like send us a little postcard option. Click through and send. I feel like more as many people text you or send us postcards. And if you want. I have live not by I have live in truth uh, apparel on our I've got a hoodie and a t-shirt up right now on our website. So if you uh, if you want to live in truth regarding all of the all of the things you might believe in, wear by the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, um, we're gonna go have dinner. What's for dinner? Tacos. Taco Tuesday. Yes. And then judo. And I restarted Molly. You need to restart yours. I restarted my Fight Strong 365 workout program. So I don't even know what that means. Four days a week. Oh, you want me to my start exercising training. again? You can start doing yours too. I restarted mine. I feel super good. Okay. But I was really feeling discouraged over the weekend with not having an ACL. And I was like, I'm 42 and everything hurts and I'm always tired. And I'm like, I I feel better when I work out. So I just got to yeah. do this because it's just, I'm combating. I'm not going to live forever, but... I can prolong the the decrepitness, the crinkly. I don't want to end up a barely walking crinkly. Okay, I'm gonna go make dinner. Oh, you don't want to start? I don't want to hear you talking about being crinkly and you're just rattling on. Sorry, I like talking. I noticed. Microphone. I noticed. Um, We'll talk to you guys (laughs) next week. All right, see you guys.